This is the Greg Scheinman Podcast. The Greg Scheinman Podcast. Brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. Hey, welcome to the Greg Scheinman Podcast. Today, I am here with Terry the Trainer Williams. He is the owner and architect of the League Houston, where I just completed my first workout. So if I sound out of breath, um, if I cough it out a little bit, it's just because Terry and his crew kicked my ass uh, for a noon noon workout today. Terry, welcome to the Greg Shine Podcast. Thanks for being here, bud. Hey, thank you, man. I'm excited to jump in, and uh, welcome to our fitness family, man. You just killed that workout. <laughs> No, you just killed me in that workout. So if this is the least intense interview I ever do, um, you know you know why right now. But really pleased to have you on. I have heard nothing but good things about you and the league for a couple of years now. Um, my good friend Aaron Wines connected us to do this. So shout out to Aaron and Dish Society for putting us together and getting me out here. Um, Let's get let's get a little background on you on you first, Terry. Tell me tell me a little bit about your background and how you how you got started. Absolutely. So it all goes back to uh, when I was in college. I was studying radio, TV, film at University of Texas. About halfway through that degree plan, I decided I don't really know for sure if this is what I want to do with my life, but I don't want to change my major either because then I have to be here for another year. Uh, I was a total gym rat with no intentions of ever working for a gym or owning a gym, uh, but I worked with a lot of the athletes there at UT. Uh, so in the off season, I would just roll with the football guys, roll with the track and field folks. And, and uh, I started deciding, you know, I, I want to pursue a career in this stuff in some way, shape or form, but I'll finish my degree plan and then I'll go back to grad school. So a total sloppy route to having to take a bunch of prerequisites to get ready to cross over from a bachelor's in an entirely different field to then go do my master's in the field that I'm now currently in. Um, so came back to H-Town, where I was born and raised, uh, did grad school at U of H, um, which had a top 10 program for the uh, Masters of Health and Human Performance. So I said, you know what, I'll shoot for it. Took a long route of uh, prereqs and recommendation letters and all that, and eventually talked these guys into letting me into the program. Uh, started working as a personal trainer after school, um, did a little group exercise, spin, kickboxing, boot camp, you name it. Loved the fitness industry, but hadn't yet found my niche. And it all went mm -hmm. back to working with athletes. That was what I was super passionate about. So I started working with some guys, doing their off-season training. And I figured, you know, certified strength and conditioning specialist, master's in health and human performance. Dude, I'm gonna go and be a strength and conditioning coach for a team. That was all I wanted was to work with like an NFL team. That was like the dream job or so I thought. So I'm working with an NFL offseason guy, and he says, you know, you definitely, definitely don't want to work for a team. So this is a guy that's in the middle of a losing season, and, uh, and he's like, you know, if our head coach gets canned, the entire coaching administration gets canned. So you as a strength and conditioning coach could be thrown out, baby with the bathwater. So I said, you know what? What I think I want to do is set my roots in my city do my thing, establish my system, the same system I used to work with these pro and collegiate athletes, but then make it accessible to everybody. So I'm still in group exercise, I'm still in personal training, but I get to use authentic strength and conditioning principles the way that the pros do, but do it at a level that really meets everybody where they're at. So even the day one beginner can learn 
how to train like an athlete. And so that's kind of my background. That's the long story uh, as to how we arrived at the system we're currently working with, pack training, our power aerobics and circuit training format here at the league. Yeah, tell me a little bit, and, and I want to dovetail back into into your masters also. But tell me a little bit first about about pack training and and what exactly that is. And I guess I just went through a version of it. Yeah. Right now, so so give me your definition of of what you've developed with pack training. Yeah, for sure. So P A C K, the P A and C is power aerobics and circuit training, uh, which is the phases of our workout. The K stands for our mantra and mindset, which is keep moving. So let me dive into that first. So we're big believers around here that you do not have to be the fastest, the strongest, the most capable. Um, Some of the guys who train here are actual elite athletes who are training because they got to go, you know, back into season somewhere for like a pro ball club. But then the majority of our people, like 98% of our people are the average everyday Joe who wants to be more fit. So we're all about getting your heart rate elevated, your muscles activated, and continuing to move. And if you can do that, even just that, even if you're not lifting the heaviest weight, not moving the fastest, you're in your lane. You're burning fat, you're sculpting muscle, you're getting better. And that's our whole thing is just help people get better. How we do that is through that P, A, and C, power, aerobics, and circuit. So with every workout, we start with a little warm-up, some stretches, we hit, hit the core, um, and after getting some basic core strength and mobility, we dive into a power phase, which is all about strength. Three or four sets of a really basic lift. We don't go too deep into heavy Olympic lifting, super complicated stuff. We do stuff that everybody has access to and we'll modify it from there so we can make sure we just meet everybody where they're at. After the power phase, we go aerobics phase. This is three to four sets where there's no weight being lifted. It's all cardio. We're running and gunning. It's sprint bursts or it's burpees or it's uh footwork sequences uh and then the circuit we divide the class into teams and we rotate station to station hitting three laps on a circuit getting some rest periods in between and that's where you get a really good mix in the circuit a really good mix of strength and conditioning you're getting great aerobic work heart rates booming but you're working every muscle group in the body too no, no doubt, uh, and I can certainly attest to that as I sit here continuing to sweat it out uh, 30 minutes post-workout at, at this point. <laughs> so let's go back to, um, to the master's program. Yeah. Um, you know, look, we're, we're with, the, with what's booming in health and fitness and wellness over, over the years, uh, more and more boutique fitness studios are popping up. CrossFit had exploded. There's spin, as you said. There's yoga. There's there's all the stuff you tried, even even as you were working to find your own kind of model in there. But I want to talk about the education of it, yeah. um, and how you differentiate yourself, um, and what your thought process was to to go and get that that master's degree, versus in a way, I may fumble this a little bit. You know, there are a lot out there that take some shortcuts, you know, if you yeah. will, you know, or, or think, hey, you know, I love working out. I can go coach. I can go train people also, you know, or, but I want to talk about the mindset that, that you had coming out of school, going back and saying, OK, I want to get that master's degree and how that differentiates you and kind of what what your thoughts are um, in doing that and, and ultimately being an entrepreneur because it, it's a different level. Yeah, absolutely. So first, I'll say this. I just just to totally own my story. uh, I didn't go pursue a master's degree because I'm the smartest guy in the world. Uh, For me, it literally was that in undergrad, I was like, oh, crap, I want to pursue a whole different route. Well, how do I get there? And for me, that answer was, you know what? Dang it. I'm gonna have 
a strong formal educational background in what I choose to do with the rest of my life. So for that reason, I feel it's the right call for integrity's sake, get my butt back in school. And so uh, <laughs> fought tooth and nail to get into the, the graduate program, glad I did. Um, but to just hit your question head on here, I think there is a tremendous difference just because of like all you learn in, um, like at that level in a, at a master's degree program for strength, um, for health and human performance rather, all the strength and conditioning principles you're taking in, working directly with a strength and conditioning coach who's operating as a professor. And like, this is the guy who's working with those division one athletes and he's giving you a piece of his brain. He's giving you how he programs these workouts. And then outside of that, in the more uh, heavy scientific courses, learning the basic principles behind what uh, goes into just human motor skills, um, bioenergetics, how we break down elements of nutrition and turn them into energy for mechanical movement patterns, how the body responds to the laws of physics. All these things help you to understand, not just, hey, how many sets should we, we should do in a rep or should we work out for 45 minutes or an hour or uh, it should be an arm day or a leg day, but deeper than that, how to understand how to take care of the things that people aren't thinking about when they are working out, ligaments and soft tissue and, you know, the health and safety of lower backs, which is a huge thing these days with a lot of the more intense training formats. So, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. grateful for the educational background. And I totally think that it, it makes a difference in the, the quality of training. So let's talk also a little bit about about the grind, okay? Because, look, let's say owning and operating a facility is also a completely different animal than just training in one, you know, or, yes, training, it or, is. or training people Absolutely. Uh, in one. And you're married, get into that. Yeah. Um, you got a little one you yeah. know, right now also, and you're owning and operating a business of which you're the integral training component of it, of it yeah. also. Let's let's touch on that on that grind a little bit because this is also a business that it's it's a four plus four a.m. ish you know kind of oh kind yeah of spot, right up we open our doors at five mm -hmm. first class goes off at five thirty so I'm up at four to get here to get these doors open at five mm -hmm. so what's take me through the rest of the day yeah. okay so so you're up at four something take me through the Terry day yeah for sure so I'll tell you about my day today. <laughs> Let's, let's just go with just snapshot of what day we are in the middle of right now. So hopped up at four, got here at 4.45 so I could prep some stuff, get the doors open by 5 a.m. Believe it or not, some of our students that do the 5.30 a.m. class will arrive at five. They know the doors open then. They want to be in here foam rolling, stretching. Uh, so we go straight into uh, just the work of client engagement and just being good to our people, loving on folks. Uh, 5.30, 6.30 a.m., back-to-back classes. I'll do some personal training at 7.45 a.m. Um, back to the class grind at 9 a.m. Uh, typically at 10 a.m., I'll carve out a little time for myself. I'll do some uh, working out myself or more personal training in a context in which I can work out with the client. Mm -hmm. It helps with time management. Uh, we have a noon class. Uh, following that, it's meetings, conference calls, errands, things like that. And then we kick off classes again for the evening, 5.30, 6.30, 7.30, back to back to back. So full day, wake up at four, come straight to work. I'll get out of here at like 8.45 p.m. So it's a long day, but 
been around for a few years and been able to grow our team. We have other incredible instructors on staff. So there are some days in the week in which I don't teach all the shifts. And it's mm -hmm. awesome because we have great quality folks we've really invested in, uh, empowered them, we stand behind them. And uh, I have like zero worries when it's somebody else's shift to instruct. And that's that's tough to do. I mean, to, to delegate yes. also in there. Um, is that something that, that came naturally to you or more of a process to kind of empower individuals and kind of, you know, it's your baby, you know, kind yeah. of trust them, them with, with your baby. Yeah, it did not come natural. <laughs> so initially it was the most scary thing ever. Like, oh my God, all I've ever done is have my hands on this thing and control every element of it. And am I really relinquishing this thing? And it was the scariest thing ever to, to entrust it, to turn it over to anybody. But the coolest thing happened. So we had uh, who is a person who is now a stellar instructor here. Uh, young lady came as a guest of some friends, came for a workout, sent an email after it. And this is, we had maybe been open six months. We get this email, very kind email saying, hey, I've attached my resume to this email. I loved the workout and I would work for free. Can I be an intern? And my wife and I, who my wife is actually our co-founder here, um, runs our business operations here. I strongly value her opinion on all things. I said, you know, we don't have an internship infrastructure, but is there a way we can accommodate this? Because I think it's really cool. And, and she was like, yeah, there's so many things we need help with around here. So we built an internship program literally for this one individual. The coolest thing happened though. So we exposed her to a little bit of teaching time in front of classes and all that. And this is pre-delegation era. I'm freaked out about the idea of not being present while somebody else is teaching. But the coolest thing happened. Our fitness family here really embraced her, fell in love with her, wanted more of her time. And I said, wow, that's really cool. Like this person has built their own following. And Marley Schroeder is her name. She's incredible. And slowly but surely, I started to learn to delegate. And I learned that we could grow stronger and reach more people. And the league brand is so much more uh, just multifaceted, powerful, if we can do that. So it started with Marley taking one shift a week. And then now we have uh, three instructors on staff, not including myself. And so there's a few shifts where they get to get down. You mentioned your wife's role in the business. Um, let's talk a little bit also about working with your spouse. Okay. Again, yeah. the amount of time that you have to put in here. Okay. Obviously the amount of time she's got to put in here and then you got to take it home, home with you too. Uh, what's, what's that dynamic like? Was this something that you set out to work together or it became kind of a necessary evil with the operations versus the, the coaching dynamic? T tell so, me about how that, how that's going down. <laughs> so I'm, as I mentioned, working in gyms and doing group exercise and kind of sick of that whole thing. And she was working on Wall Street as an investment banker. She's getting really jaded. Like, man, I love kind of what I do, but not really who I do it for. She's feeling that way about the business world as I'm feeling that way about the fitness world. And she's like, you know what? I, I can't wake up continually to go and help a bank make more money. Like, this is dumb. I'd rather do small business and know people uh, who are an integral part of the business and help them shine. And I was like, you know, I want to found my own gym one day. Figured I'll, I'll do it someday when I know enough, you know. Had no, like, actual plan or blueprint. Just mm -hmm. had a dream. 
And one day she's like, you know what? I'm going to quit this job and you quit yours and let's do this thing together. And so we just went out on a limb, crazy youngsters, only married a couple months at that point, And we decided we were going to do this thing. Uh, and so for us working together, um, it's really been a blessing and a joy to tell you the truth. Um, I think one thing that we have become better at over the years, which if anybody listening is in marriage with their business partner, you probably are learning this or anybody who aspires to do that. This is, I think, a golden little tip for you. Everybody's got to have their own lane. So I run fitness. She runs business together. We have a fitness business. So when it comes to programming the workouts, when it comes to uh, seeking out instructors, when it comes to uh, innovating our training systems or selecting the type of tools we use, things like that, uh, direct client interface things, that's really my lane. And she can absolutely weigh in on those things, but that's the lane that's kind of, you know, it's under my delegation. Whereas with the business side, now I am terrible with Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> Don't trust me with a budget or merchandising or setting up price structures, uh, things of that nature, but she is brilliant at it and loves it. And she now being in the small business environment she sought to be in, being able to use those skills that she learned in the business world makes her incredible at running the operational side of our small business. And so um, what helps us a ton is just having our own lanes so she can shine in business and I can shine in fitness and together we help each other shine. Uh, as far as taking work home, that's a, that can be a real beast for married couples, I think. Um, but I am definitely one to uh, kind of set some boundaries around it and say, you know what? Hey, this is our time to just go on date night. You know, and I think that small things like that help a ton and make it so much more enjoyable such that we don't like dread each other or avoid each other around the gym <laughs> and office. Uh, we like really love being at it together. And we have conversations all the time where we're just like genuinely excited, you know, excited about where the league is going, how it's been growing. The fact that we have been able to expand our team and delegate, uh, three more instructors on board. Like I mentioned, we just got a yoga guy that comes in here on Wednesday nights she now has a personal assistant who has been incredible. So we're kind of a little bit more free on our time. Get mm -hmm. to spend some time with our little guy, which is great. De definitely. So where is the league going? Mm -hmm. you, know, you obviously, you, you, you got it up. You got it going. You've scaled it to, to an extent right now. But where, where is the league? Where, where do you want this go, to go? Man, to tell you the truth... I've been asked before, what's our end game? And I don't have an answer to it. So I find that when we do spend time focusing on like, okay, you know, let's, let's set tracks for the business and decide where we want to go. Is it franchising? Is it multiple cities? Is it more locations within Houston? When we get all into that, it gets to be a little bit arduous, less enjoyable. I think that that can kind of, uh, that mindset can kind of, kind of take us down the wrong path uh, as far as like the quality of our actual relationship with the people who are on the bus with us journeying right now. And then I find that when we focus on just loving and leading people well, all these opportunities come forward, all these questions as to, hey, would we be willing to franchise in this city or that city? Like we have so many more things to play with. So really, and I hate that this sounds cliche, but 
as I think about this thing over time, I think I continually arrive at the answer to that just being really our focus is just to love people well, to really take care of our flock well. And I think as we do that, more things will come over time and we'll kind of learn more about where this journey is going to take us. Look, I think, I think it's a great point. I think we're in the service business. I mean, you and I both are in the service business. And how can you be of service to people? How can you add value? You know, are Absolutely. you bringing joy to their life? Are you bringing fitness to their life? Are you bringing business acumen, risk management, whatever, whatever it may be, you're being of, of service. And, and I agree with you there. I find that the best opportunities have even come my way simply by doing good work, simply by being there for other people um, versus plotting, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and this is where I'm going to end up. Like that just never seems to, to work. Yeah. Like, with the exception of, let's say, fitness programming. I do, you know, I think like, okay, yeah. I can see that. If you follow this program, okay, you will be in better shape. You will be more mobile. You will be this. But I think day to day from a, from a business standpoint, it's all about, to me, working with individuals and people that are like-minded, that we share similar interests, similar passions, and you bring some value to the table. They're great at this, or they're running their business, and we want to protect their business. And, yeah. and, and all of a sudden, that leads to, to other things. And I find that guys sometimes try to fit square pegs in round holes or try to sometimes be a little less than, than authentic, you know? And, and, and that's everything from where you network, where you meet people, where you want to go. Um, you talked about getting some time and, and seeing your little one, you know, and I have two that aren't little anymore, but I really can't meet people anymore at night, you know, mm -hmm. after work or, or whatever, or go. That's a very real yeah, thing. Very real thing. So, okay, how am I going to run my business and, and, and network and be able to do the things that I need to do? Well, we find guys that work out in the morning because they seem to always be available, you know, yeah. and kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, let's work out. Let's grab breakfast. Boom. Then we talk and we're done. So somehow you got to figure out a way to kind of surround yourself with the kind of people you want to want to be around. And, and ultimately, then that seems to work out a, a little bit a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, you recently and I. I recently, I think like yesterday or two days ago, put out a book. Yeah, I did. So you can add author to the, the long list of, uh, <laughs> of titles you have. Um, one, we're going to talk about where you found the time, okay, yeah. to, to do that. But what made you decide to put out a book uh, and of what? Tell, so tell me about this. Yeah, so the book is a cookbook. Uh, so we're talking fit and clean nutrition here being the premise. So the book is called The Flavor Fuel Kitchen. So here's the basic idea. I don't believe that people should have to choose between flavor and fuel. Mm -hmm. Why do people not eat healthy? Because it's like, you know, that tastes like cardboard. I don't want to boil a chicken breast, sit it next to some kale on a plate, eat it dry with no seasonings. That's whack. I'll quit if I have to be stuck on those rigid rules. Yep. But if left to our own devices, we'll just eat totally unclean. So bridging that gap, here's my thing. I set basic ground rules. Lean protein, whole grains or complex carbs, and fruits and vegetables. Limiting the salt, the sugar, the sauces, so we don't have a whole bunch of surplus, a bunch of excess. Now, with those rules being set, there's a lot of delicious stuff you can make. So this cookbook, the Flavor Fuel Kitchen, has stuff like uh, chili garlic, chicken wings. It's got a pizza. 
it's got tacos, it's even got a bacon mac and cheese, believe it or not. So these are just basically remixes to popular classics with more fit ingredients because we're sticking to the lean protein, the complex carbs, the fruits and veggies. So uh, where I found the time for it, basically I'm always meal prepping every week to make sure I'm eating clean. I'm cooking up some stuff on Sunday, stashing it in some Tupperware to bring to work for Monday through Friday. And there's no way in heck I'm going to sit and eat like a lump of kale next to the unseasoned chicken breast. Like I was saying that most people fear clean eating becomes. So like, man, you know what? I really want pizza this week. So I'm going to eat pizza, but I'm going to do it with 100% whole wheat crust, a homemade tomato sauce, turkey pepperoni that's got 76% less fat than the standard sausage stuff with fat-free cheese. I chop down some kale and spinach leaves, sprinkle them into small bits on that pizza. It's done in the oven in 10 minutes. I'm not tasting a bunch of spinach and kale. My taste buds are rejoicing over pizza, but my body is getting nothing but clean nutrients. So with it being the case that for years I've already done a lot of meal prepping and shared through social media, hey, here's a fun meal prep idea. Naturally, there kind of just became a following for it. People were like, when can we get our hands on this stuff? Uh, so writing the book actually didn't take long. Writing the book was, okay, let me go back and compile all of my favorites from what I've already been making for a long time. Uh, the self-publishing process, that took some time. Yep. Now this is the, the idea to execution that I get interested in. Again, the, there's a lot of talking to the talk out there, but, but not, not that much when it comes down to it, walk into the walks. And okay, I can cook a little bit at home, you know, and I got this stuff, and I can make my own meals, and I can post a thing or two about this. But it's, again, it's another level of discipline and commitment to put it all down on paper, to organize those thoughts, to put and figure out, okay, how the heck do I actually put a book out, you know, into yeah. the marketplace? And you pick it up, and there's cover art, and you flip it over, and there's a barcode with an ISBN number on the back, you know, okay. That's the stuff that's interesting to me because most people will stop when it gets hard. Okay. Yeah. How are we going to put this out? Where are we going to go? Am I going to self-publish this thing? How do I get it on Amazon? All these things you've managed to do. And that, that's the interesting stuff. That, that's the meat of it to me. So, so what were the obstacles? You know? And, and what, what did you have to overcome? And what's the process? Yeah. So – uh, originally, I thought like it'd be really cool to seek out a publishing deal, right? Because then a publisher can put some funding behind your idea and really make it look pretty and get it out faster and that kind of deal. Um, my wife, Ashley, and I met um, with a dude named Craig Johnson. Great dude. Wrote a couple books. Unrehearsed Destiny. Lead Vertically. Awesome author. So he had a publishing deal, formerly. He currently self-publishes. He was like, dude, self-publishing is the way to go kind of explain some of the the wins in self-publishing just having creative control over your own ideas um and so i was like you know what i'm definitely definitely gonna do that i kind of thought about it this was the point of like really making that decision to go for it uh so i wrote a rough draft my wife with the more analytical brain steps in helps out with the editing and revisions process um and yeah, it's a little bit of an arduous process. It's a little costly. It's a little time consuming. You have to, uh, you know, get your ISBN and your barcode and get registered with Amazon. So there's a lot of steps and, and uh, speed bumps along the way. But I can tell you what, I'm glad that we saw it through and got through that process because now, as you said, it's here. It's live. So where can you find it? 
So we have the physical copies here at the league for retail. We're the exclusive storefront retailer for it for now, uh, but it's globally available via Amazon.com. So if you ever want to order a copy of it and get it shipped directly to you wherever you are, uh, it's called the Flavor Fuel Kitchen. There it is. Go to Amazon.com. Order your copy of the Flavor Fuel Kitchen for the holidays. You still got a little bit of time. Yeah, okay. and it actually does fit in a stocking. We, we <laughs> size tested the six by nine book. If you got some big stockings, it can qualify as a stocking stuffer. Mentors. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about individuals that have inspired you, guided you along the way. Um, you you seem to give off a bit of you know spiritual kind of vibe. You know that I get that you know very helpful energetic vibe to others what what about for yourself who are some of your inspirations and, and mentors and guides along the way in strength and conditioning i gotta give a lot of love to todd durkin uh owner of fitness quest 10 out in san diego um i went to an actual formal mentorship program that he puts on every year back in gosh 2011 and some of the principles i learned then when i was just kind of working for a gym I'm still applying today, four years deep into owning a gym. The guy's brilliant. The guy's super uh, passionate about what he does and compassionate toward the people he does it for. Um, Brent Gallagher, a local guy, owns Avenue Fitness here in Houston. Yeah, he's right over in West Hill. Yeah. Okay, right where and I am. now uh, in River Oaks, he's just expanded yep. to another location. So Brent Gallagher, um, I remember reaching out to him when I was getting ready to start the gym just to pick his brain, right? And now a lot of people reach out to me like, hey, can I you know, get some of your time? I want to talk about this idea I have, whatever. I had no idea then how costly an entrepreneur and specifically a gym owner's time is. Mm -hmm. Grateful to that guy for taking the time to meet with me. No questions asked. I could have been a total dunce that knew nothing or I could have been a guy who actually has a future in this thing. He didn't know the difference in, in you know, where I stood on that at that time, but he took the time to meet with me. I learned so much in like an hour with that guy and it was incredible um and then beyond that uh like you said uh, kind of the whole spiritual vibe thing um i am huge on faith it drives me it makes me who i am uh, a great dude named nick nilson uh who's one of the pastors at my church great great guy um attends some of our classes here great friend of mine but then also definitely like a big brother mentor spiritual leader a guy that I learn a ton from, uh, both in, in terms of just like some of the, the comments that he'll throw out there here and there that like really helped me in a practical way to like sharpen my craft and uh, to lead better. Uh, but then also in just like watching, watching him live, like seeing how he controls situations or responds to things or manages his time. Uh, how he, as a really busy dude, still puts his family first. You know, things like that mm -hmm. really sharpens me, and I'm grateful for it. What is some of the advice you'd give um, to guys th that are out there that are struggling a little bit with that with that balance, um, that work-life balance, or business is going great, but fitness maybe has fallen off a little bit, or fitness is going great, like, hey, I'm, I'm killing it for an hour a day in the gym, but not so much, you know, out outside, you know, um, when, you know, guys are getting to that, to that stage, you know, what I, what I kind of call the, the midlife male. We've been married for a little while. We got some kids, 
business career is kind of somewhere, fitness may or may not be be somewhere in this. What what's some advice you would give to guys that are kind of kind of struggling or questioning kind of how to get it back in sync? You know, we got that pie chart and some of those percentages may, may be a little little out of whack. You know? Yeah. I would say again, hate to be the guy that sounds cliche, but man, family first. Um Absolutely. Business is going to take a lot of time out of you. There's no way around that. And your fitness is going to take a lot of time out of you. No way around that. Um, for me, it's training for OCR races. So I, I love Spartan Race. Been doing it for years. Um, for those that don't know OCR, what, what is an OCR? Yeah, so an OCR is obstacle course racing. Okay. So it is the world's fastest growing sport. Uh, it is under investigation by the Olympic Committee. You may see it as a summer Olympic sport at some point. Spartan Race is like the premier organization within that, um, a globally sanctioned league. And that's um, Joe Decina, right? Spartan yeah, Race? Joe okay. Decina founded Spartan Race. Yeah, yeah, super, super interesting guy. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I started off in marathons and got bored with running. I was like, I want to run, but I want to do stuff while I run. Mm -hmm. So now I get to climb ropes and jump walls and tote boulders and swim rivers and crap while I run, which is fun. But obviously, it's very time-consuming. I'm grateful that my wife is all in enough that she supports that and she's crazy about it she's like you should go do that and next time don't do it with a team do it solo because you're faster <laughs> without relying on other people so it's it's great i feel super blessed to have that uh but yeah so training for your fitness and the time it takes to run your business it, it's a huge time suck and it's like what time is left for me for my wife for my kid my solution to that is i prioritize to the best of my ability my wife and my kid now this could sound sloppy to some people, but you know, some deadlines are important, but if it is not absolutely dire, you know what? I think I'm going to chill with my wife tonight and, and, and watch that movie she wants to watch because she doesn't get enough of that time out of me uh, because that's important to me. And she and I run this business together. So if I can invest time in her and we can do time together, we ultimately are going to be better in our partnership and it's going to help the league grow and flourish more so than oh god i gotta get back to that email man if it's 11 p.m and you haven't gotten back to that email and you're gonna be right back up at 4 a.m it's not gonna make a difference that person <laughs> you're sending that email to has not stepped into the office for the next business day you can get back to that but got to prioritize that family time mm -hmm. the value of um the value of being able to say no you know at, at time is, is something that that I struggle with myself too and work on where not everything is urgent. Not everything has to be done that particular moment and taking the time to actually it ends up getting better if you stop, think about it for a little while, wait, or maybe even draft that reply, but hold it, you know, before, yeah. before you hit send. Cause you go read that thing that you wrote at 11 o'clock at night and it doesn't read so well, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning, maybe yeah. the next day. And had you sent True. it, you know, maybe, Maybe not. So I'm finding that, that the value of one, you can't be everything to everybody and you got to figure out where your boundaries are and, and say no sometimes uh, yeah. to, to a lot of things. Um, and that not, not everything is, is urgent. It seems to be a common, common theme of the successful guys that, that I've had the, the privilege of talking to that they kind of know who they are, you know, and, and where things stop and where, and where, where things start. Um, to, to that effect, what, Lessons learned, you know, I'm, I'm, the successes are cool. Like I, I love the success stories, don't, don't get me wrong. But 
I really like mm, the shit that didn't go so well, you know, <laughs> and and what what you learned from it. What what was the biggest challenge I think you faced in kind of getting getting the league going, or or one of those days you're just like, oh, that ain't good, you know, yeah. and we got to figure out how to overcome this one. One of the guys, when we were seeking investment capital to found the league, one of the guys who expressed interest and was all in and had pledged for a really significant amount of investment capital, which blew our minds to even hear that somebody was willing to uh, be involved with. Um, we, be we began to lean on that. We baked that into our equation, our numbers. You know, this is what we're reporting. This is what we're getting ready to put up so we can sign a lease and get equipment and get going. It comes time <laughs> for those rounds of investment capital to come in. And, you know, people are people are following through on their commitments. And this particular individual did not. And no answers to calls. And he's invisible for a while. And that was our first moment of, oh, shoot. We have announced this launch date and organized this launch party and signed this lease. And people are excited about this idea. And how bad would it suck if we never even get to actually do that? Oops. And at that moment, it felt so terrible. It made us like sick to our stomachs, like, oh, what are we going to do? But it was such a gift to us. It taught us how to hustle. We had to go and get resourceful. And we were able to meet and then even exceed the goal that we were trying to get to and we got the league open and now years down the road it's thriving not just surviving but doing well and it's like wow that really actually made us better um and another thing signing leases on buildings so what's awesome and hilarious to me is that there are so many buildings here in houston that i drive past from time to time it's like oh yep that one didn't work out <laughs> i drive past no's on the way to my yes when i'm coming mm -hmm. into work in the morning and I think that that, um, in one sense, very practically is important because like you've got to be able to get through those things that didn't work out to get to what actually will work out. Like that actual place that is going to be like the physical address on your destiny where you can operate your business. But then also also like in a, in a bigger sense, you can use it as an analogy. Like there are so many no's that you're going to have to hear in life, but it only takes one yes to get going. And if you knew how many no's you'd have to get through to get to your yes, every time you got a no, you'd be like, yes, that's one more checked off the list. I'm that much closer to my breakthrough. And so uh, in hindsight, it was great to have those no's and those doors closed because now we got our open door. No, no doubt. And, and I work in, in a business which has a very long sales cycle. You know, I say this all the time. Anybody that I'm interested in doing business with, if you, is somebody that, Lots of guys want to do business with, of course, you know. And unfortunately, for me to get to get hired in my business, somebody else has to be be let go. You know, anybody, gotcha. everybody's got somebody. Mm -hmm. So again, where do you add value? How do you how do you approach that? Okay, how many times are you going to be told no over and over again uh, before no becomes a yes? You know, and there there are good no's opportunity-based no's, there's timing no's, there's everything, but the value of not, not burning any bridges or not even forgetting, let's say, about those no's, okay. There's always another side, I think, and for a while I wrestled with the fact that I saw my side, okay, why I would be good, you know, for this person, or why I would be good for this project, or I should do it, and couldn't understand the no, 
because you know, you're just thinking about yourself versus you really don't know what's going on on the other side. You don't know that that person whose business you think would be an ideal client or they would be a great person, maybe they're going through some stuff they just don't also want to tell you about you know, yeah. too, or, or anything else that's going on. And stop taking no as a personal thing and started, like you were saying, started to see no's as, okay, that's an opportunity to move on to something else. Yeah. Move on to the next thing, the next thing. But also don't forget, maybe let's circle back. Maybe it's just timing, you know? Um, and, and it is interesting, like you're saying, you drive by some no's, you know, and, and okay. And there are some businesses and some individuals I've wanted to do things with and I thought were perfect. And... You look back, you, or you open up the paper, you read something, you go, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, didn't see that coming, you know, or, yeah. or maybe that's a good thing, you know? Yeah. Maybe that person was looking out a little bit too. Yeah, so yeah. You really don't want to get involved. You know? size 2020. It, it, it absolutely is. So, you know, I think that, that again, that stuff is, is super valuable. And again, surrounding yourself with individuals who, who overcome adversity, you know, who get it. And I think that that entrepreneurial club is, is a small one. Yeah. Right? Uh, everybody, everybody's got an idea. Very few actually take the leap to execute, to execute that that idea. Um, and and I'll shift it back to you. You mentioned taking in some investors and some partners. Um, partnerships are difficult. Yes. Um, investors are, are can be challenging and difficult. Yes. Um, how has that been? And I and I've got, and I got some too. We could talk about this for hours <laughs> in, in there too. But you not only have a partnership with your wife. Okay, yeah. so they're also invested in a husband and wife team, and you have some partnerships of people who have backed you, you know, in in the league. Um, active or passive, you know, has the relationship with the investors, and, and what have you learned from that that situation? Also, man, we gosh, I feel very fortunate. We have a really good relationship with our investors. They're people who I guess don't just believe in a gym, a business, a concept. I believe in us on a personal level. So we're super close friends with people who have supported us via investment capital and also people who just generally support us and believe in us. Um, that relationship has been awesome. So it's been good. That look, that's good. Then you're super, super fortunate, you know, in, in, in that regard. Um, with the little one. Now we're going to go back, back to the, to the family aspect. Um, where are you carving out time, okay, um, to be a dad in, in all this? You know, you've talked about date nights with the wife and you talked about working together. Where are you carving out time to, to be a dad? Um, what you've even learned from your own family, your own upbringing, and kind of what you're going to pass, pass along? You know, 15 months, right? You're saying now? He uh, will be 14 months next 14. week. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, what's fatherhood like? Man. Fatherhood is the greatest journey. I love it. It's so fun. Uh, you have two boys, right? Two boys, eleven and and fourteen. And man, does it does it go fast? Okay? Yeah, I bet. Yeah, so I, I got a little boy too. I I just love it. It's so cool, um, especially just as a man having this little man around and you know bringing back the nostalgia of what it was like to be the little guy and like understanding so much more now stuff my dad said that i didn't get at the time and now it's like dude that's priceless why didn't i take heed that uh no but it's it's great and i think that um for me my solution to it to like finding time to be a dad is like dude i'm just a dad first 
So anytime somebody wants to hang out on the weekend or anytime an extra meeting pops up or anytime there's something that has the opportunity to get my yes, before I give that yes, I just think about it under the condition that how does this affect my time with my guy? And sometimes it might not even be something that is a huge time commitment. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And maybe I could even take him with me if I wanted to. But I just kind of prefer to watch cartoons with him this morning. And so I'll allow that to be kind of my barometer is, hey, dad first. And then what'd you say? What's going on? Maybe I'll consider that. Mm -hmm. Now, it's it's great. Um, and you're going to see, it's not a tough front from my experience, you're going to see a variety of different of different types of dads. Yeah. yeah. Over, over, you're going to see the active ones and the guys that you you kind of radiate towards. You know, they're there, and you're going to see some ones that sometimes blow your mind. Also, like get off the phone, man. You know, like yeah. uh, be around for different stuff. And and I watched it, and and I don't know, and I'll and I'll ask you a little bit about your relationship with your own father and upbringing there. You know, my dad was 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 unbelievable, un unbelievable, and I got two two younger brothers. Um, but passed away young, you know. Uh, he was 47, so I was you know, 17. Not a lot of, not enough time. Not yeah. nearly, nearly enough time, you know. And I think about this stuff going into my 45th birthday, you know, next week. Going, wow, I, dude, you look great. I thought you yeah. were like 35, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's after you killed me in the workout. Okay? <laughs> I performed. I thought today like I was 65. That that's what it felt like. Out, <laughs> not out at there. all. Not but, at but, all. But thank you. But. You know, and point being, you know, take care of yourself, you know, prioritize. Life Life is short, you know, the balance in there. And I think about, wow, like, what if I, if I had two years, you know, left, you know, in there, not enough time. Yeah. You know? So, you know, to that, it's like, man, keep keep doing what you're doing because every, every minute is precious with those, with those little ones. And I cannot begin to tell you how fast it goes, you know. Now my older one like runs out of the car when you drop off at school, mm -hmm. and I gotta embarrass him and roll down the window and be like, "Hey, love you." Like if he doesn't say goodbye <laughs> to me awesome. properly, you know, yeah. in in the car on the way out. So, <laughs> now, what was your relationship, you know, with 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 your folks, and and what instilled kind of that, uh, kind of that that belief for you of that's the kind of father you want to be? Yeah, my dad was awesome too. I'm super grateful for my dad. So my folks divorced when I was in, I guess like the fourth grade. And my dad, I'll never forget it, basically was like, look, a lot of times with divorce, a dad goes silent or it's just kind of, okay, I'll be passive and wait for you to come see me on whatever the court appoints as visitation hours every other weekend or whatever. He was like, I want you to know that I'm here. I'm gonna be involved. And he said, you know, I had a talk with your mother and maybe it didn't work out between us, but it's always going to be a team effort when it comes to you and your sister. I have one uh, sister. And so I so greatly appreciated then in that moment, my young mind, not even knowing what life was going to be like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, coming up in a family that, where there was a divorce. But it meant a lot to me then. And then even more so as both of my parents later on got remarried, we went into blended families. I have so many great new siblings from that uh, situation. Um, but my dad through it all was like a great friend, a great leader. Uh, even to this day, I consider my dad to be just like a really, really good friend. Um, and, uh, I think the biggest things I got from him were just the good old classic fundamental mantra worthy stuff, working hard, um, sacrifice, these are things that he embodies for sure and stuff that I, I definitely want to carry over in my journey as a dad. 
Awesome. Well, Terry, look, great, great stuff. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to meet you, get a chance to, to train under you today. Um, glad I'm still breathing through it, but to get the chance to talk, learn about your background, learn more about the league, experience the league, um, kind of the, the way you function, the way you live in here, the way you cook, you know, right now <laughs> also. Um, super, super awesome stuff that's in there. would love to have you back another time. I Absolutely. I see a stranger around here. And, and thank you for, for doing this today. Happy holidays to you. Appreciate you being on the program. Likewise. Thank you so much. Happy holidays to you. The Greg Scheinman Podcast was presented by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit innsgroup.net.